0: Really appreciate it. Thank y'all so much. Let's take our Bibles and go to the Book of Second Samuel, Chapter Nine. Uh, Second Samuel, Chapter Nine. We'll read the whole chapter. Second Samuel chapter 9, verse 1. And David said, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, "Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him?" And Ziba said unto the king, "Jonathan then hath yet a son, which is lame on his feet." And the king said unto him, "Where is he?" And Ziba said unto the king, "Behold, he is in the house of Machar the son of Amnon in Lodibar." Then King David sent and fetched him out of the house of Metchar, the son of Amel, from Lodibar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, uh, the son of Saul, was come unto David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness, For Jonathan, thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul, thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I? And the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said unto him, I have given unto thy master's son. "...all that pertaineth to Saul and to all his house. Thou therefore and thy sons and thy servants shall till the land for him, and thou shalt bring in the fruits that thy master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth thy master's son shall eat bread always at my table." Now Ziba had fifteen sons and twenty servants. Then said Ziba unto the king, according to all that my lord the king hath commanded his servant, so shall thy servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah, and all that dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants unto Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table and was lame on both his feet. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to preach your word. Father, we thank you most of all for your glorious grace. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you glorify your son. Teach us this day. In Jesus' name, Amen. I'm going to preach tonight on sovereign grace for dead dogs. <laughs> what a title. The Bible teaches us many great truths. But two truths that are found throughout the Old and New Testament is the character of God and the character of men. Uh, and tonight we find a historical narrative of David and Bathsheba. But this serves as a greater spiritual lesson than just a historical account. David serves as a type or a picture of Jesus Christ. There are many types and pictures of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. There is no perfect type of Christ. Now, Joseph is probably the best type of Christ in the sense that there's no recorded sin of Joseph, he was a sinner. But God did not record any of Joseph's sins. And he's probably more of a complete type. But David is a type of Christ. The king of Israel that pictures the king of kings and lord of lords. And one day Jesus will rule and reign from the throne of David. Uh, Mephibosheth pictures a sinner saved by grace. Now you may remember that Jonathan and David were best of friends. This is Mephibosheth's father. They were the best of friends, closer than brothers. And Jonathan knew that God had given the kingdom to David. And because of Saul's rebellion, they entered into a covenant, a covenant of love. And that Jonathan told him, said, the kingdom will be given to you. Me and my father will die. Just do me one thing, David. Remember my children. Remember my prosperity. And so David, because of his love for Jonathan, entered into this covenant of kindness for Jonathan's sake. We find that in verse 1. David said, Is there any yet left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? David was a covenant-keeping king. And I want to say that Jesus is a covenant-keeping king. But the first thing that we see here is a disgraced family. We're going to talk more about Mephibosheth than David. We see a disgraced family. Uh, if you want to, I read to you from 1 Samuel chapter 15 uh, in verse 23 summarizes this story where you may know it. Uh, he tells Saul to Samuel, tell, the Lord tells Saul through Samuel to go into And to kill and to utterly destroy. And he Saul comes back. But he's got a few sheep with him. And the prophet comes to him and said, I thought he told you to, why have you not obeyed the Lord? He said, I did obey. And he said, well, what's the bleeding of the sheep in my ear that I hear? He said, oh, well, those are for sacrifice. And those famous words, obedience is better than sacrifice, Saul. And then in verse 23, we see this. For, the, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord. He hath also rejected thee from being king. Because of Saul's sin. God rejected him and took his kingdom from him and from his family. May I remind you. That our father Adam was given dominion over the earth. He was the first earthly king. In Genesis 1 through 26, it says that he was given reign, rule, and dominion over the earth. Be- because of his simple act of disobedience, God rejected him. And cast him from the garden. And now the family of Adam, all the human race has lost its royalty, has lost its inheritance, and has been put in a state of disgrace. Because of the sin of Adam, all of us are born sinners. Just as Mephibosheth is in a state of disgrace because of the rebellion of his father, his grandfather, all the human race is in sin because of the rebellion of Adam. Romans 5.12 says, Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Methibosheth is a, is a part of, the, of a disgraced family because of the sin of Saul. And we're part of a disgraced family because of the sin of Adam. We're part... Not only was it a disgraced family, but it was a doomed family. Look with me over here in, in 2 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1. This after the death of Saul. Now there were, there was long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. But David waxed stronger and stronger. And the house of Saul waxed weaker and weaker. You see, after the death of Saul... What do you do? What happens when one king replaces another king? It's recorded in the Bible and it's recorded throughout history. What you do is you go about and kill the other king's family. You don't want them to raise up a puppet king or a rebellion or a civil war. And so David began to war and to kill off the lineage and the heritage of Saul. Then we find in chapter 4 of verse uh, chapter four, verse four, the de- what happened to Mithibasheph and Jonathan, Saul's son, had had a son that was lame in his feet. For he was five years old when the tidings came of Saul and Jonathan out of Jezreel, and his nurse took him and fled. And it came to pass as she made haste to flee that he, that he fell, and became lame, and his name was. Get the picture here. Jonathan and Saul have now lost their lives and, and in battle. And David is and his men are killing off the family of Saul. And boy, the nurse hears this and running with Mephibosheth, she drops him and he falls and he's lame. He's crippled because of the fall of his father. Think about that. Because of the sin and the rebellion of Saul and Jonathan, Mephibosheth is now fallen and is crippled and, and handicapped and unable to do for himself. Isn't that a picture of us and Adam? Because of Adam's willful sin, not only will we disgraced and, and, and lost our inheritance, lost our royalty and our reign, we, we're fallen. The Bible is clear that we are fallen, we are crippled, and we are unable uh, to do anything for ourselves. It's not only a, not only is he doomed, but that family was destitute. Look here in chapter 9, look at verse 4. The king said unto him, where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, behold, he is in the house of Masher. That word, matcher, literally means sold under. Literally could mean a slave house. The son of Amnon in Lodibar. Lodibar means no pasture. Literally, a place that is barren. A place that's unfruitful. Many would interpret it. A place of no bread. Where is Methibosheth? He's in the house of the slaves, in the country of Lodibar. Here he is, handicapped, unable to do anything for himself, in the house of slavery, in the land of no bread. This is the condition of a lost sinner by birth because of what our father did we are naturally unable to do anything for God we are the bible is clear that we are sold under sin we we cannot escape the taskmaster of sin that we are living in a dead and barren place he lost his inheritance because of the sin of his father crippled by the fall Unable to help himself in the house of slavery. Living in the land of desperateness. Completely disgraced and doomed and desolate. Here's Mephibosheth. But here's where it gets good. We see the desire of the king. First of all, he sought him. He sought him. We find that in the first four four verses. He said, where is one of Jonathan's that I may show him mercy? The king came seeking for Mephibosheth because of the love that he had for Jonathan. The only hope we have is that the king of kings comes seeking for us. Mephibosheth isn't not looking for David. All of his, his father and his, his grandfather have died by the hand of the enemy. And David and his men are killing off everybody that's in Saul's household. He's hiding from the just judgment of David. Just as sinners, we hide from the just judgment of God. We don't seek God. No, God seeks us. <coughs> and why is he seeking him? Verse 3 says, so he can show him. The kindness of God. The kindness of God. Well, isn't that a picture of Jesus Christ? Our king come seeking us at the will of his father to show us the kindness of God. The Bible says Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. And here we find, then King David sent and fetched him out. And he didn't try to do it. He did it. Now, he didn't do it personally. He sent servants to do it. He sent for Mephibosheth. And there they come into the house, and they come down into this poor, crippled sinner who is doomed and desolate, and he's disgraced, and he's lost his inheritance, and he's crippled. And the king said, "Send his servants and said, fetch him out. Well, ain't that a great picture of the gospel call? Jesus Christ sends messengers out into the world and to fetch out poor, starving sinners in the house of slavery in the land of no bread. Mephibosheth wasn't seeking the king. He was hiding from the king. And the Bible is very clear that there is none that seeketh after God. Mephibosheth wasn't seeking and neither do we seek after God. He He not only sought him, But he sent for him. Look at verse 6. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was coming to David. Now you know, the messengers, the servants, went down into Lodibar and took him to the king. That's what true preachers and witnesses of the gospel ought to be. We go to the sinner and we bring them to the king. And so they brought him to the king. Was come unto David, he fell on his face and did reverence him. And David said unto Methibosheth, and he answered, Behold thy servant. He sought for him and he brought him. Bible says that he, he, we are found of him. He is found of him that sought him not. We don't seek after the Lord. None of us do. (laughs) Notice where he speaks to him. Verse 7 and 8. And David said unto him, fear not. You notice the first reaction of Mephibosheth was fear when he came into the presence of the king. Now, isn't that the conversion of a sinner? Isn't the first thing that we experience when the Holy Spirit starts tugging on our heart, is it not the conviction of our sin and the fear that God Almighty would be just in condemning us? The first thing that he experienced was fear of the king. Charles Spurgeon said often in his preaching, you can't experience the grace of the cross until you come through the guilt Of the cross. And here he falls down before this king. And he says. And he. Fear not. For I will surely show thee kindness. For Jonathan thy father's sake. And will restore thee. All the land of Saul thy father. And thou shalt eat bread at my table. Continuously. Oh look at that. Look at these words of acceptance and grace and restoration. And and is that not what Christ does when He saves us? Behold, all things become new. Yeah, old things are passed away. And behold, all things have become new. And we become a new creature in Christ. And He restores to us. He restores to us what Adam lost. Because by the first Adam... Death entered into the world. By the last Adam, we have the resurrection and we have the promise of eternity and a future dominion. Look at verse 8. <laughs> look at Methuselah's reply. And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog? as I. so words of repentance. These are words of a contrite heart. That's got to be experienced before salvation. We're dead dogs outside of the grace of Jesus Christ. That's just it. You know, many times we'll say things some just last week I was talking to a fellow I was in Lexington and preaching at a church and, uh, by invitation and one of the men came up afterwards and he came up to me and he uh, started talking about my dad and boy he's just going on and on and on and on and on and I finally looked at him I said you do not know my dad that well did you and he goes why do you say that I said because my daddy would be the first to tell you he was born to a uh, man that dug coal. Now, if anybody ever says they dig coal in Kentucky, they lie. Because in Kentucky, they dug coal. He dug coal by day and shined by night to an Indian woman in a cabin. My dad was a sinner. And he preached that grace, anything good about my dad, is the grace of God. Anything good about me, is the grace of God. I'm just a dead dog. You're just a dead dog. That's what Mephibosheth said. I'm just a dead dog. I'm worthless. I'm defiled. You see, in the Bible, dogs in the Old Testament were about like swine. They were defiled. They were unclean. They were unholy. He says, I'm a dead dog. I'm not just a dog. I'm a worthless dog. I have nothing holy in myself. And that's where the condition where we're at. But he didn't stay a dead dog. No. We see Mephibosheth's deliverance. Verses 9 through 13. First of all, he got a new place. Yeah. Look with me in verse 13. The last verse, and it's in a couple other places, but we'll just look at this. Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem. Oh, Yeah. He's restored and he will now dwell in Jerusalem. The old kingdom's passed away of Saul. The new kingdom of David is now in Jerusalem. One day we'll dwell in the new Jerusalem. If you're saved, the Bible tells us that one day we'll dwell in the new Jerusalem and the king, Jesus, will rule and reign from where? David's throne. He restored to him the kingdom, and he will dwell in Jerusalem. Uh, Not only that, but he gets a new provision. All down through verses 9 through 13. says three different times, he's now eating at the king's table. He said, he he tells his servant Ziba, which we'll talk about a little bit here, a little bit more here in a little bit. He says, Ziba, your whole household will will plant and farm and work and you will provide for Mephibosheth's family. But Mephibosheth will eat at my table. Just imagine this crippled man that as he comes in and David, you know what he does? At his house of provision, he hides his crippled legs under a royal tablecloth. And he sits there. Not only is he now a dead—he was a dead dog, but now he's a child of the king. Now he's a son. He's not just an outcast. He—he he tells him that he says he will be as to me a son, a son. He takes this one that by justice and by uh, uh, uh and by judgment uh, could have been killed by the sovereign king without one question answered and it would have been expected but no, because of David's love for Jonathan, he went and he took this crippled young man and he put him in, a, in his palace and he put him in Jerusalem. He, gave, he restored to him all the inheritance that Saul lost by disobedience. And that's what Jesus does for us. And he makes him a son. He's not a servant. He's not a dog. He is as one of my own sons. I love that song. I'm a child of the king. It says, once I was clothed in the rags of my sins, wretched and poor, lost and lonely within, but with wondrous compassion, the king of all kings, in pity and love, took me under his wings. Oh yes, I'm a child of the king. His royal blood now flows in my veins, and I who was wretched and poor now can sing. Praise God. Praise God. Now I'm a child with a heavenly home. My holy father, he's made me his own. And I'm washed by his blood and I'm clothed in his love. And someday I'll sing with the angels above. But you know what Mephibosheth's greatest possession was? presence of the king he said he'll eat with me at my table he'll eat with me at my table can you imagine the gratitude of being in the presence of the king greater than the food was the fellowship the son of God became the son of man to make the sons of men the sons of God I want to see the greatest desire of Methibosheth was not the king's provision, but his presence. We're going to fast forward here just a little bit. Look at chapter 16. I want to show you something. See, this is what grace does to someone. We're going to read some verses in 16, then we're going to skip over a chapter and read some more verses. But look, in chapter 16, David has fled the throne. Absalom has rebelled. David cannot raise to fight against his own son, Absalom. And so he decides that he's going to leave the beloved city and he's going to dwell outside of Jerusalem and he'll deal with Absalom outside of Jerusalem. He was so tenderhearted he could not raise his hand against his own rebellious son. And as he's camped out, Mephibosheth's servant, comes to visit David chapter 16 verse 1 and when David was a little past the top of the hill behold Ziba the servant of Mephibosheth met him with a with a couple of asses saddled upon them 200 loaves of bread and a hundred bunches of raisins and uh uh, a hundred of summer fruits and a bottle of wine, and the king said unto Ziba, "What meanest thou by these?" And Ziba said, "The asses be for the king's household to ride on, and the bread and summer fruit for uh, the young men to eat, and the wine that such uh, as be faint in the wilderness may drink." And the king said, "And where is thy master's son?" And Ziba said unto the king. Behold, he abideth at Jerusalem, for he said, Today shall the house of Israel restore me the kingdom of my father. Then said the king to Ziba, Behold, thine are all that pertain unto Mephibosheth. And Ziba said, I humbly beseech thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, O Lord, O king. What just happened there? Ziba tells him, says, uh, Well, where's Methibosheth? Oh, he's back in Jerusalem getting ready. Because after you die, he's the rightful heir to the kingdom. So David said, Everything that Methibosheth owns is now yours. The story doesn't end there. Look over in chapter 19. Pick up in verse 24. David's won. The battle over Absalom, he's returning to Jerusalem. And Mephibosheth, the son of Saul, came down to meet the king, and had neither dressed his feet, nor trimmed his beard, nor washed his clothes from the day the king departed until the day he came again in peace. And it came to pass, when he was come to Jerusalem to meet the king, that the king said unto him, Wherefore wentest thou with me, Mephibosheth? Why didn't you come out with Ziba? And he answered and said, My lord, O king, my servant deceived me. For thy servant said, I will saddle me an ass that I may ride thereon and go to the king, because thy servant is lame. Well, it would be a tough trip for a lame man, wouldn't it? And he hath slandered thy servant. Zebelide. am on Mephibosheth. And the king. But my lord the king as is an angel of God. Do therefore what is good in thine eyes. For all. My father's house were but dead men before my lord, the king. Yet didst thou set thy servant among them, and did eat at thine own table? What right therefore have I yet to cry more unto the king? And the king said unto him, Why speakest thou any more of thy matters? Have said, Thou and Ziba divide the land. Now stop right there. David's the king, and David has told Zibbeth, you can have it all. But David didn't have all the right information. But a leader is still accountable for their mistakes, even when they don't have all the information. (laughs) King can't just make a decree and say, well, you fooled me. Now, so he has told Bathibbusheth, well, we'll divide it. I know he lied, and I know he slandered, but I made a kingly decree. We'll divide the land, we'll divide the house, we'll, we'll just divide it all. I love verse 30. And Mephibosheth said unto the king, yea, let him take all. For as much as my lord the king is come again in peace unto his own house. Just let him have it all. I've got you, king do think about that. He said, well, uh, uh, Ziba has lied on him and slandered him and took in half of his inheritance. And David is trying to do, he's made a mistake. He don't want to compound it. He said, well, I guess I'll just split it. And Ziba says, let him have it all. Let him have all of it as long as I have you, King.' That's my greatest desire. We live in an earth. And they fight and they scratch for everything they get. But you know what? One of these days, the king's coming. And the Antichrist and the pope and all the rest of them, they can just have it all. And we'll be in the presence of the king. Mephibosheth knew that the greatest reward was the presence and the fellowship and the nearness of his king. See, what sovereign grace does is it changes our heart. Do we worship the King? When was the last time you felt his presence? I mean, really felt his presence when you were praying. Or you were studying. Or someone was preaching. You know, we talk about worship, worship. We call it sovereign grace because it's the King's grace, freely given. What we find Ziba, I mean, Mephibosheth continually doing, he continuously is always bowing before his king in submission to his king, whatever it is, king. That's worship. It's submitting to the king and coming into his presence. You know, this modern world out here and the modern church world, they think that worship means a lot of noise. You'll find out worship just simply means that we're saying you're worthy of all of it. King, it don't matter about the land. It don't matter about the crops. It don't matter about the cattle. It only matters that I have your presence because you're greater than all of it, King. That's worship. Let him have it all. I have you, King. Mephibosheth is a picture of a sinner just like us. My great, great, however many greats it goes, granddaddy, lost my royal inheritance, dominion over this earth. But Jesus came and he redeemed his people, the ones that he had entered into a covenant of love with. And not only did he redeem the people, but he redeemed the earth, the Bible says. And one day the king's going to return. Hey, and if I got my eschatology right, it could be today. It could be. And when the king returns, he's going to restore. He's going to restore the earth. And he's going to restore us as children of the king. And the Bible says in the book of Revelation, we will rule with him on the earth as kings and priests unto God. And and Jesus will sit in his kingly position, that which is pictured by David, David's actual throne in Jerusalem, the city of peace. And we'll live forever in the presence of the king. You know, the word kingdom simply means the king's dominion or the king's reign. Right now on earth, the kingdom of God is in our hearts right now. Because he rules and he reigns. That's what Jesus said. He said, now if they say, go to the east or go to the west or go to the north, don't go there. For the kingdom of God shall be in you. Because the Lord rules and reigns in the hearts of his people. But one day that kingdom's coming to earth. And we are going to see it. And we're going to have glorified bodies. And we're going to be restored in the same way that Adam was given dominion over this earth. And we will serve our king as sons and daughters. Boy. Adam lost my inheritance, but Jesus purchased it. He gave it back to a bunch of dead dogs that he made sons.